Welcome to Warrior to Warrior, Lesson 3. And today we're going to talk about rethinking regret, addressing unhealthy guilt. So guilt is a very Jewish thing, very typical. And uh, the problem is that the, the Jewish thing is really not very Jewish. And we're going to learn about it today. That really guilt is very, very different than what we think. So that's why it's called rethinking regret guilt. So let's look at exercise 3.1. Mentally identify a past choice that has left you with significant lingering feelings of guilt. Of course, you don't have to share. Um, okay. Of course, you know, we all, we all make mistakes and, uh, the natural response is that when we, f we make a mistake, we feel guilty about it. But we know that guilt is tricky. So let's go on to questions for discussion. And we're going to revisit these questions at the end of the class. Number one, how do we differentiate between healthy and unhealthy remorse and guilt? Number two, at what point can you forgive yourself and move on? So let's look at text number one, because guilt is very, can be very, very tricky. Okay, go for it. Okay. It has been taught in the Talmud Nida, end of chapter three, before birth, each soul is administered an oath. Be righteous and do not be wicked. And even if the entire world tells you that you are righteous, regard yourself as a wicked person. This requires clarification, for it seemingly contradicts the dictum, do not regard yourself as a wicked person, from Ethics of the Fathers, two, chapter 2, verse 13. Furthermore, if you consider yourself wicked, you will be troubled and despondent. That will prevent you from serving God with joy and positive emotion. On the other hand, if you are not at all perturbed by your flaws, you may end up not, not taking yourself or your actions seriously, God forbid. Okay, so the the this is the beginning of the Tanya. So the first the first thing he says is he brings a you know very Talmudic style of contradiction. In one place it says, even if everybody tells you you're righteous, regard yourself as wicked. And but in another place it says, do not regard yourself as wicked. So so what do you do? So the contradiction is not really the main point, because contradictions especially in the Talmud, they can always be, you know, resolved. But the real question is, the second part of the, you know, that, of the text over here, he says, you know, psychologically, how, how do I do that? Should I feel, you know, if I do make a mistake, I feel myself, I'm wicked, then if I really feel wicked, you know, I feel bad about what I did, then I'm going to be sad. Mm -hmm. Now, if you don't want me to be sad, then does that mean I shouldn't care about what I did? Then I'm not going to take myself seriously. So the question really is, how can I, I mean, I want to feel bad about what I did, because if I don't feel bad, then that's terrible. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so many times we think, I feel bad, and you know, I feel good that I feel bad. Yeah. At least I feel, I feel bad, you know. At least I, I have a, a clear conscience. Yeah. But the question is, if I really feel bad, then that, you know, that, so to speak, takes away the gas from the tank, mm. from, you know, our, our positive emotions. 
so I can't fight. I can't, you know, battle the struggles of every day. How can I stay positive? And we, the whole cor- course is all about living a positive life. So if I really entertain guilt, then it takes away the energy for me. If I don't entertain guilt, then am I just, you know, not taking myself seriously? So what do I do? And the real question is, how do we view ourselves? So, in a way, we can say that the entire Tanya is all about answering that question. How do do we view ourselves? And that's actually um, lesson six. We're going to talk about how to um, upgrade our relationships more about than more than viewing the other in a different light it's how you view yourself and that really changes everything so that's you know just to give you a, a little preview yeah okay. spoiler <laughs> so let's look at text number 2 and we know how guilt can instigate negative emotions so we want to move from negative emotions so let's, we, we really have to understand that guilt, very differently than many other negative emotions, does have somewhat of a goodness into it. Mm-hmm. But let's see w- what that entails. Okay. So text number two, I'm going to read. Okay. In every sadness, there is a benefit. Okay. So this is a words, very concise, very deep, from King Solomon. Okay, okay so w- what does that mean? You know, if every sadness, okay, in every sadness over here means negative emotions. It doesn't mean specifically sadness. Sad, sad, okay. It, it, it's negative emotions. Okay. It, because in the, in the Hebrew, atzvut can mean many things. Okay. It's not only sadness or being depressed. It could be all t- types of negative emotions. Guilt, shame, inadequacy, a lot, a lot of different. So in this instance, what he means is in every negative emotion or in a certain negative emotions, there is a benefit. Okay. So how can negative emotions be productive? Meaning, what we're saying over here, oh, sorry, I forgot about the, uh, so warrior to warrior. Yeah, that's uh, Anna Mintz's father. Who? Anna Mintz's father. Oh, Anna, okay. Yeah. So lesson three is about rethinking regret. Addressing and healthy guilt. Okay, so guilt is tricky. If I feel guilty, I get negative feelings. Mm-hmm. If I don't feel guilty, I lack accountability. Mm-hmm. So, we said in the first class, when we had to define what positive emotions are, what negative emotions are, we said, a positive emotion is when I feel good. Mm-hmm. Now, when I feel good about something bad that happened to someone else that I don't like, that is a positive emotion, but it's a bad one. Meaning... Yeah. It's a not it's not a moral one, it's not a productive, positive feeling. So positive emotions can be bad, but the question is, can negative emotions be good? Meaning, do we dismiss every type of negative emotions, or maybe some negative emotions could be good? So Dr. Abbe explains in text number three what is good about negative what good can we find in negative emotions? Go for it. In every sadness there is a benefit implies that there is benefit and gain to be derived from negative emotions. 
but the phraseology actually suggests that negative emotions per se have no virtue, and it is only that a benefit is derived from them. So what we're saying is a benefit means this itself inherently is not good. Negative emotions are not good per se, but you can derive a benefit from them. So in other words, it's like, you know, it's like uh, type, some type of medicines are not, you should never take them just randomly because they're, they could be poisonous. Yeah, like chemo. Right. But in certain instances, there is, you could derive a benefit from them. Mm-hmm. Or, um, okay, so he says, text number four, you read that. Um, Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. So Judaism does believe in no pain, no gain, which means, you know, from the darkness. So this is what this verse means, that from the darkness, you come to a, 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 uh, a good place. You know, that's why it says the beginning of time, there was evening, then there was day, and then that was day one. Mm-hmm. So what it means is before day usually comes a period of night. Mm-hmm. So we do believe in that, which means... You don't go for the darkness. You don't go for the hardship. It's like, okay, let's, you know, let me, you know, try to drown. So maybe I can, you know, uh, activate my adrenaline and then, you know, get myself. No, you don't do that. But we do appreciate, you know, the, the benefit that we can get out of the darkness. But we don't say that the darkness itself is good. Hello. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Good. Okay. Okay, so Okay, so let's look at the question for discussion. Page 90. What benefit might be gained from negative emotions? Okay, so we're on page 90. You can sit over here. Yeah, I have the yeah, well, we started uh, 10 minutes ago. What time is it? It's 12, 12 past 12. I didn't even see. <laughs> from Canada, we used to work together. She just called me. Okay. I didn't see the time. So, well, we didn't say, you know, we, we, we began talking about rethinking. Today's lesson is called Rethinking Regret. Okay. Yeah, that's a good thing. Okay. It's very good. Very important very because guilt, guilt is a negative emotion but there is it's it's a catch-22 because if i feel guilty then i harbor negative feelings if i don't feel guilty then that means i'm not being serious right i should feel guilty so in today's lesson we're going to learn how how to how to really take the good out of the guilt because guilt in most cases is a negative emotion and we have to stay away from it. Okay, so today we're gonna to learn what is a kind of, of a healthy guilt. Can you see the screen? Okay. So we're on page 90 and we're saying how negative emotions or guilt per se is not good, but it, you could derive a benefit from it. So what benefit might be gained from negative emotions? So this lesson is gonna act like a funnel. What we're going to do is we're going to slowly narrow guilt more and more until we realize 
what benefit we can take out from guilt. So, so let's begin with the basics. Text number five, page 91. Go for it, Jeanette. Free will is granted to all humans. Should we desire to tread the path of goodness and be righteous? The choice is ours. Should we desire to turn to the path of evil and be wicked? The choice is ours. Do not entertain the view held by the fools of the nations and the majority of simple-minded Jews that from the moment of the human's conception, God decrees whether that person will be righteous or wicked. This is untrue. Rather, each individual can become righteous like our teacher Moses or wicked like Jeroboam. We can embrace wisdom or foolishness, be merciful or cruel, miserly or generous. The same is true of all character traits. No one compels, dictates, or leads us toward any of these paths. Rather, we, of our own initiative and decision, veer to the path of our choosing. This is implied by the prophet Jeremiah, who stated, Neither evil nor good emerge from the mouth of the one above, meaning that the Creator does not decree on a person whether they be righteous or evil. Consequently, those who do wrong have no one but themselves to blame. It is therefore proper to cry and mourn over our moral failings and of the damage we have inflicted upon our souls. This is implied by the following verse. What should rightfully agree the person? His sin. Okay, so first of all, I want to say that we're not saying, you know, some people sometimes say, you know, listen, everything is God, and therefore even my sins... That's, you know, it's not really my choice. That's, that's what God chose for me. That's, that's not true. We have a choice of whether we can, you know, we have choices to do, you know, morally good choices, and sometimes we do bad choices. So what we're saying over here is guilt when we, when we cho chose bad choice when we did we chose a bad choice then guilt is appropriate what if so now we're going to look at exercise 3.2 so see how appropriate is guilt as a response to the following scenarios okay so the key is one very appropriate if you need a pencil here one is very appropriate two is somewhat appropriate Three, not at all appropriate, or it is complicated. So let's say, if you forget a spouse's birthday, is it very appropriate that you should feel guilt? Or texting while driving and rear-ending another vehicle? Then it seems it would be very appropriate, because that was a very poor choice. So this is the first rule for proper guilt. What you see over here is, there is in, in these examples, we can see three types of, so to speak, of things that happen to us, or things that we choose. One is, you chose something. For example, someone texts and drives, and we ran someone, that was his poor choice. Therefore, guilt is appropriate. He made a bad choice, 
Therefore, you should feel guilty about it. Another thing is a lesser level is negligence. I forgot my spouse's birthday. Should I feel guilty because it's you know I chose not to remember? It's negligence. I should have known better. I should have put a reminder. I should think about her more often or her, her, him or her, whatever. But, okay, so let's say it's somewhat appropriate that I should feel guilty about it. But an example, missing a child's graduation due to a medical emergency, very naturally you'll feel guilty, but that guilt is inappropriate because you couldn't do anything about it. That was, it's, it's a, this rabbi always says, we are in the choice department, we're not in the result department. We can't control results. We can just control our efforts. We can try. And then the results, that's God's department. So if you couldn't make it due to a medical condition, you shouldn't feel guilty about it. Your guilt is inappropriate. So this is the first funnel. There are many, probably many things in life that we did that we, from our knowledge, we, we did the best choice we did. We, we did the best decision that we could have made. The result was different. But we had the right decision. Now, so that guilt is inappropriate. So that's the first thing you have to know. Guilt is appropriate only when you made a bad choice. Okay? That's the first lesson for guilt. If there are things that you did in your life, you feel guilty about, but you had no... And we do. there's a lot of instances, you know. Um, I mean, I know someone that his... his uh, mother passed away on a car accident when she was coming to pick up pick him up so he 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 felt tremendous guilt so this guilt even though it's a very natural thing but in a way not in a way it's inappropriate because you he couldn't control anything he couldn't control even though we feel guilt but that guilt is 100% negative so therefore he should work on you know removing it so again, what is appropriate guilt over intentional bad choices? It is less appropriate over negligence. You should know better. You should eat healthier. You know, that's, that's a, or in other, the truth is eating healthy nowadays is becoming more of a bad choice than negligence. But, so that's why it's more complicated. But the bottom line is not appropriate guilt is over honest mistakes. You, you couldn't know better. So here's the rule of thumb. Remorse is valid when it's over a faulty decision. It is not valid when it is over a faulty result. So let's look at the slide. Okay. Can negative emotions be good? The value is derived in the benefit. Right? When you go down, it brings you up. So now, we have free will is granted to all humans. And so when is appropriate guilt? Over intentional bad choices. Appropriate to a lesser degree over negligence. You should, you should have known better. And not appropriate guilt is over honest mistakes. That was figure 3.1. Appropriate remorse is only over a morally faulty choice. Okay. Now, let's move on to text number 6. Is all remorse... So, now we explained when is appropriate guilt... When I made a bad decision. Now the question is, let's go into that. I made a bad decision and I feel guilty about it. 
Is all remorse over faulty decisions appropriate? So now we're going to narrow the funnel even more. So let us reread text 3 along with the line that follows it. Okay, text number 6, go for it. In every sadness there is a benefit implies that there is a benefit and gain to be derived from negative emotions. But the phraseology actually suggests that negative emotions per se have no virtue and it is only that a benefit is derived from them. That benefit is the true joy in God that follows genuine anguish. So that line sheds so much light. What is the benefit from guilt? From appropriate guilt? If it, it leads to true joy in God that follows genuine anguish. A, so that means, do you want to know if guilt is, is a healthy guilt? If it leads you to greater joy. That's one. Two, it has to be genuine anguish. Genuine means it's something, it's not, you don't feel bad because of a result. You feel bad because of a decision. So, if your guilt does not lead you to a greater joy and to, you know, to change, then there's nothing good about that. It's completely negative and there's nothing to be gained from such a negative emotions. So the next conclusion is that guilt needs to lead to a positive change. So now, let's, let's look at the slide. We, we narrow the guilt even more. Let's look at that. Um, appropriate remorse, A, morally faulty choice. It's not a result that happened after. It's a morally faulty choice. B, it has to be productive in a sense. It has to lead to a positive emotion and has to lead, lead to a positive change. You understand? If a guilt over a faulty choice does not lead you to be more productive, to feel better about yourself, to have more positive emotions, you should know that is not good guilt. It's very, very, it's very vital to know this. Because, you know why? Because we feel good when we feel guilty because we feel you know at least I, I feel bad about it so it's like in society we guilt is such a you know we, we we almost celebrate guilt oh you know guilt is important but so much of, of our guilt does not lead to any increased positive emotion and definitely doesn't lead to change so now we're going to understand the Tanya recipe for guilt which is very, very instructive. So how we distinguish between productive and unproductive, now I know what the result needs to be. Good guilt is going to lead me to positive emotion and positive change. How do I know what's going to be a good guilt, a productive guilt, and an unproductive guilt? So let's, let's read text number seven. And so the question really is, how do, does one distinguish between productive and unproductive guilt? Okay, text number seven, I'm going to read it. Okay. <clears throat> okay, so before I want to read the text number seven, 
Next week, we're going to talk about if someone is, has negative emotions over external things, which means family problems and medical problems. That's next week's topic. What we're talking about today is when you, when you feel bad about your spiritual standing, you know, over you know, bad choices you made. So you feel, that's what you feel. Okay? Feelings of what? Uh, yeah. Are so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's good about that. It's, it's like, yeah. Okay, so text number seven. Freeing ourselves of negative emotions that result from remorse over spiritual matters is not a simple task. Nevertheless, we must seek ways and means to do so, right? Because when we feel guilt, we say, that means I'm good. That means I, 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 I have a, a good conscience, so clearly, while serving God, such as praying or studying Torah, we must rid ourselves of all negative emotions because we must serve Him with gladness and a joyous heart. But even while involved in commerce or other mundane matters, if we experience negative emotions or worry regarding spiritual matters, we must know this is a ploy of the evil inclination, or in other words, the natural soul. Its goal is well known, to subsequently lure us into following its lustful desires, God forbid. Were it not so, how does genuine remorse, which is derived from love and fear of God, come to us in the midst of our mundane activities? Now, regardless of whether the negative emotion happens upon us while we are involved in the service of God, studying or praying, we must realize that now is an inappropriate time for genuine remorse, even over egregious misdeeds, big misdeeds, God forbid. For genuine remorse, we need designated times, appropriate times when we have calmness of mind. And during those times, we should reflect upon the greatness of God against whom we have sinned and thereby cause our hearts to be truly broken and genuinely embittered. So even though right now we're talking about guilt that's between us and God, we're going to see how that is the same or very similar between us and other people. Elsewhere, it is clarified precisely when this time should be. And there it is also there, it is also explained that as soon as our hearts have been broken during these designated times, we should completely remove that, the sorrow from our hearts and believe with a perfect faith that God in his abundant forgiveness has removed our sin. We are then free to experience the true joy in God that comes after the remorse, as mentioned above. So there is so much in this reading to unpack. That's exactly what we will do from now until the end of this lesson. So let's go into text number 8. So one of the most important things in life is to have moral clarity. And that's what the prophet admonishes in text number eight. Uh, yeah. What are those who call evil good and good evil, who present darkness as light and light as darkness, who regard bitter as sweet and sweet as bitter? Rabbi, when yeah. you talk about moral clarity, um, I, I didn't receive joy, uh, the uh, a religious education. Mm -hmm. You know, it comes from traditions and 
when I tell everyone that Judaism is about, I said, respect, honor, be a good person. Mm -hmm. you know? uh, how, how, what is your definition of Judaism, if you have to say morals and Right, so it's it's Judaism. I mean, if we take if we take this course, Judaism is about the ultimate purpose of Judaism is to bring God and spirituality into our life, and by bringing spirituality and God into your life, that automatically which means in this this course we talk about if you want to have a positive life and when you have a positive life that affects you bring positivity around you and, and to the people around you to your family to your community to your friends the key to that is understanding that you're not just a self-oriented being you also have a divine soul that a mission soul, um, mission-oriented soul. And the, what, what's, what's so be, uh, unique about this course is the fact the struggle of life is not just about I'm gonna, am I going to be a good person or a bad person? It's much deeper than that. It's about am I going to be a self-oriented person or am I going to be a mission-oriented person? What's the difference? The key to positive emotions is to be more of a mission-oriented person than a self-oriented person. It's very counterintuitive because in the world, we think you want to be successful, you want to be happy, focus on yourself. Don't be selfless. We always imagine being selfless as being not having anything and you know being in misery and being sad because you don't have what you want or what you need. The key to really having a positive life is to live more, being more mission-oriented people. And that's, in, 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 in a way, that's what Judaism wants to, Judaism wants to, to make the world understand that God is not a, you know, just a, a divorced idea from the world. We, we want you to understand, especially from this course, that being God-oriented, being mission-oriented, is not just for the Orthodox people and the people who want to be religious, this is the key to live a positive life. And the more we understand that all of our, all of our challenges essentially come from the self-oriented soul, we would be much more of, of a... We would have much more positive life. We would be more whole. Exactly. Exactly. And, yeah, exactly. So... Judaism, the, the mission statement, so to speak, of Judaism is to bring God, in, to bring God, to make a home for God in this world. Because we do feel guilty as non-Patra practicing. Yeah? Right, right. We all do. Right. Like, oh, I haven't lit my candles. And, oh, and well, not only, uh, and think about how much, how much a rabbi, how much a rabbi feels the guilt even more because, oh, I'm supposed to be the Orthodox religious, and I do this. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about what is productive guilt. So that's, the, we, we read a really thick text, and now we're going to really dissect and understand how that really leads to, to the understanding of what is, 
what, what is the difference between productive and unproductive guilt? So let so moral clarity, that's what we're saying in this text. And it's true, nowadays especially, there's so much confusion in, in, in every every aspect. And therefore it's very hard to change when you don't even know what that what you're doing is wrong. Right? That's that's the even worse than doing bad things that you don't even know it, you're doing something bad. So Let's see how bad is guilt. We said guilt is an negative emotion. So how, let's see how bad invalid guilt is for our well-being and for our positive energy. So let's, you want to read text number nine? More than the misdeed itself, the evil inclination values the negative emotion that results from the misdeed. It hopes that this negative emotion we need the person to enter a state of despondency. So this is, think about it, it's really amazing. We always think, what is the purpose of the evil inclination? To make you sin, right? We always think, that's, that's his job. His job is, his uh, job description, he wants, you to make, he wants you to sin. But the truth is, what happens after you sin? Let's say you... Let's use a very stupid example. Not nothing to. Let's say you you ate chocolate. Okay, you you're on a diet. You ate chocolate. Now, after you eat chocolate, you feel guilty, right? Because oh no, oh no, I should have I should have known better. Now that you feel guilty, right? You start feeling guilty and more guilty. You say, oh man, why did I? I'm so I can't control myself. Why can't I control myself? Why did I? What is what is the, what is that guilt is going to lead you to. You can either eat more chocolate or you can go exercise. You can make the choice. Usually, that guilt is going to just going to lead you to, you know what? I, I messed up anyways. I'll just, I'll just enjoy myself at least. I'm going to eat another you know, few pieces of chocolate. So the evil inclination, or in other words, the natural or self-oriented soul, cares. The, the sin is a fringe benefit. What he really wants is for you to be full of negative emotion to because when you're neg- full of negative emotion your car so to speak your your ferrari is without gas and when you're low there's nothing you can't do He's, he can lead you to do anything else because you're 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 down you're not doing mitzvahs you're not serving hashem you're not light you're not doing your mission when you're you not fulfilling you're not mission oriented at all you're just thinking how terrible i am what does that lead you just down the drain it, you're just going down and down so the evil inclination wants the negative emotion even more than the sin all he wants is that the sin should make you feel guilty then the guilt is going to make you feel negative about yourself and then that's going to lead you to even more sins So this brings to mind the following idea on text number 10. So let's look at the slide. The ploy of evil inclination is remorse. You, before you think about this, remorse is seemingly righteous and productive. You know, remorse will lead, you to, lead me to change. But the truth is, in actuality, remorse, most of the times, is sourced in natural soul and is toxic.
and therefore result of misguided remorse, unhappiness, and despair. And when you are when you are down, it's very easy to for the natural soul to just knock you down. So let's read text number ten. So right now we're seeing how guilt is really terrible. It's a very toxic negative emotion. So we really have to understand what part of guilt is productive. So let's read text number 10. Uh, Miley. The evil inclination is called the animal soul, not because it necessarily behaves like a brutal animal at all times. At times it is a fox, the most cunning... Oh wait, did I read that wrong? Not... Yeah. The most cunning of beasts and great wisdom is needed to see through its machinations. At other times, it disguises itself in the garb of a righteous person, sincere, humble, and of refined character. Always bear in mind and hold dear that following gold, the following golden rule. If there is a course of action that is productive or leads to a positive action, any opposition to it, even if it is seemingly sourced in a most noble intention, is merely a scheme of the animal soul. So the Yetzirara, or the natural soul, wants you to feel that, the, the, that bad choices are noble. Meaning that the fact that I'm, I'm feeling guilty is a noble act. I'm, I'm good. You know, I, I have conscience. I, I, I'm doing the right thing. So, in summary, moral clarity is vital. And in the area of remorse, there's a, very often we have moral confusion. We confuse feelings that are actually toxic and harmful for righteousness. And this is a cruel, devious ploy of the natural soul. Remorse that is not properly sourced, that doesn't come from the right place, doesn't lead to anything positive and leads only for destructive things so let's see now the next very very great question and that is right that's a real goal okay how, do, how does one distinguish between productive and unproductive guilt okay I don't know what it says over there something remorse over, over past, past choices Guilt, I guess, guilt or remorse over past poor choices. Okay, so, oh, so let's read text number 11. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll read. Text number 11. Even while involved in commerce or other mundane matters, if we experience negative emotions or worry regarding spiritual matters, we must know that this is a ploy of the evil inclination. Its goal is well known. To subsequently lure, lure us into following his lustful desires, God forbid. Were it not so, how does, how does genuine remorse, which is derived from love of, or fear of God, come to us in the midst of our mundane activities? So if you're in the middle of work, and you start thinking of past poor choices, and you say, how, could I, how, how is it possible that I, I did such a bad choice? I'm such a terrible person. I'm telling you, that is... Imagination of the natural soul. It wants you to feel bad. To feel, to, it wants you, it's draining your positive emotions out of you. That's all it's doing. Because 
guilt and remorse from a good place, which he says, which is derived from love or fear of God, which means from a good place, why would it come to you in, in, in the middle of your activities? So if they are without a doubt a lethal, okay? So what is the rationale behind this distinction? So let's look at the slide a second. If you're involved in holy acts, remorse is possibly productive. Because you're, you're praying, so you're thinking about your relationship with God, you're thinking about that. Then, remorse is possibly productive. But if you're involved in mundane acts and then you feel terrible well, you know, about something you did and you feel guilty, that is for sure toxic. So let's see. This is an amazing question for discussion. On page 104. Which of the following statements are true? Regrets... Regret leads to change. Two, change leads to regret. Or it can work either way. I think one. Okay. Regret leads to change. Meaning you regret about something you did, and then that leads you to change. Yeah. Or you change, and that leads you to regret about things you did. Oh, in the past. Yeah, so either way. Okay. So... What's really unique and, and important about what I'm going to say is the truth is regrets doesn't lead to change. It sounds very new, but the truth is that regret does not lead to change. And I'm going to explain now. We're going to see why in text number 12. Before committing a wrong... All wrongdoers have reservations, and yet they are enticed to transgress. After committing the wrong, they regret their action. And it says in Sefer Hasidim, it is said, the wicked are bursting with regrets. So why doesn't regret lead to change? You would think, I did something bad, I feel bad about it, then I'm not going to do it again. So let's look at this video that really brings this point home. Okay. Shirley wanted to experience more of her Jewish heritage. She decided to start with some Shabbat observances, at least on Friday nights. She resolved to light Shabbat candles and have a Shabbat meal, pushing the mundane out of her mind for just one night a week. But as the sun was about to set that Friday afternoon, her doorbell rang. It was Sarah dropping by unexpectedly, and Shabbat was all but forgotten. The next morning, Shirley felt guilty about the speed with which her spiritual plans had unraveled. She resolved to do better. Come what may. But life just continued to get in the way. Every few weeks, she would light Shabbat candles and enjoy a Shabbat meal. But it didn't happen often. Shirley grew frustrated, but also confused. On the one hand, she deeply regretted not following through with her Shabbat plan. But at the same time, 
Her regret did not prevent her from repeating her mistake. But then again, it seldom does. We all make mistakes. We regret a lot of them. And we go ahead and repeat a lot of them as well. Because despite our many, we haven't changed. So why should our habits and inclinations? But is there a way to break out of the cycle? Actually, there is. While Shirley was dropping off her son for his bar mitzvah lessons, she met Rivka, the rabbi's wife. Rivka invited Shirley for a Shabbat meal. What an experience. Shabbat came alive in a wonderfully meaningful way. By the time Shirley left, she felt like a different person entirely. Thinking back, she felt terribly embarrassed at her inability to be consistent about lighting Shabbat candles and to free up an hour or so for a truly meaningful meal. But this time, her regret propelled her to results. She consistently implemented her Friday night program and enjoyed it tremendously. What happened? Well, her initial cycles of remorse could not affect real change because she had not changed and continued to waver between conflicting priorities. But Shabbat at the rabbi's home raised her to an entirely new perspective. She was now changed. And with that inner transformation, she finally broke free. Very powerful. What we're saying over here is, why is it I regret and then I do it again? Because part of me likes, you know, or enjoys doing that particular thing. Let's say, talk about the chocolate. Part of me likes the chocolate. Part of me doesn't, you know, wants to follow the diet. So I never really changed, meaning the regret never really changed me. And therefore, I'm going to keep doing it. Maybe the regret would stop me from eating chocolate for a couple of days. And then I just fell back into it. But the problem is I'm still the same person. When we say that change leads to regret, we're saying is until you don't understand, you kind of pick yourself up and, and gain a new perspective. You know, let's say you really, you know, learn about what, it, what chocolate does to you or you really learn how the diet makes you feel much better and blah, blah, blah. Then you change, your perspective changes. Then you really regret when, that you ate the chocolate because, you, you know, you were just giving in and you were not understanding what you were doing. That change leads to regret and that is proper regret because now that you changed, you really feel bad about what you did and now you're changed. So you're not going to do it again. You know, of course, we always make mistakes. But the idea is only regretting something doesn't change you because you're still the same person until you don't change, until you don't become, you know, gain a new perspective. You, you pick yourself up from that low level, so to speak. You're not, you're, not, you're going to keep doing the same mistake. It's going to be a deadly cycle. So, so it took an outside source for her to change her experience of being at the rabbi's house and experiencing. So it was like an education Mm -hmm. and an outward experience and the example of chocolate would be finding like 
you know, how there's all these vegan options that are healthier, like experiencing something different and being Or educated. let's say let's say you 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 speak with someone or mm-hmm. let's say you I don't know, let's say you make a plan, you say for a week I'm not gonna eat chocolate mm-hmm. and let's say when the sugar you know is not there and then you eat chocolate you feel terrible. Yeah. In other words, you have to you have to first change, you have to change your perspective. Mm-hmm. That will lead to a healthy regret. Then you really feel bad, like, oh my gosh, how could I how could I have done you know this? Yeah. And you know, for example, it could be in in in, in relationships also. You're not I, I had something that happened to a, a, wasn't a friend of mine, it was my student. And it was a whole story about money, whatever, and it was like the, the teachers versus the students. So it was all about the, the ego, you know, involved. And I, I, I won, but I really lost. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember I felt guilty, very guilty, because I ruined my relationship with him and he looked up to me and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But the problem is, and I say, let's say I felt guilty, I regretted it, but technically, could it happen again? Maybe. Conceptually, it could happen again. Mm-hmm. Because I, I never I never really changed. Mm-hmm. But once, I remember years after, we, we had a conversation, we, you know, we spoke about it and everything. Now that I'm a much you know, healthier, in a, in a healthier position, or I'm much more mature, I realize how stupid of what I, what I did and because now I'm changed, I really regret it. Yeah. If I were, if I regret it, I regret. Yeah, I did regret it after, right after I did it. Yeah. Because of course I, I felt I, I did something bad, and I regretted it. But now that I changed, the regret is real and is a healthy regret. Now I'm, I'm definitely not going to do it again. Yeah. And I'm going to try. So in other words, also this whole th- idea of forgiveness. Yeah. How can you forgive someone? Only if you change your perspective, you you mature, you get on a, a higher level, a higher perspective, mm-hmm. then you can, you know, understand, or, well, th- this is about you forgiving or also the other person forgiving. Mm-hmm. They have to change the perspective. Change leads to regret. And then, you know, they can move on. So if you don't change, the remorse is not real. And if remorse is, remorse is not real, it is toxic so that's why remorse so let's look at this slide um so regret when regret precedes change it does not just you're going to repeat it you're going to do it again but if change you change and that leads you to regret so the first one is unproductive cycle and therefore remove it from you that's why if you feel regret in the middle of the day that, that is not, you're not changed. You're not a changed person. So that regret is move away from it. Think about something else, do something good, push it away. But if you change, then you really feel regret. Then you don't want to fail again. That's productive. So how, the question is, how can you bring that change before the regret? When, when does that change happen? Can it happen? It definitely can happen when I just feel regret in the middle of the day. 
in the middle of, I'm, of my work, in the middle of my day. That's definitely not because that's just regret. There's no change there. But what if, let's say, I'm in the middle of, of, of a introspection, of a middle of a spiritual moment, I'm praying, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm learning. So that I'm, I'm changing my perspective, right? Maybe that remorse, that regret, maybe it's good. So what we're saying is, okay, so let's... let's so you're saying if you have the thought of regret or remorse while you're doing something and you can't take the time to focus and make an action of change, whether it's something internal or external, then it's not, it's no point because there's nothing you can do about it right that minute. It's when you, not only that, it, that is coming from the natural soul, okay. trying to give you, to fill you up with okay. negative emotions. Okay. It's not just, it's more than that. The natural soul gives you this feeling of regret. It wants you to feel bad. Mm. Once you're going to feel bad, feel with negative emotions, no negative emotions, you're a deflated balloon, and then it can get you to do anything. Completely, completely make you forget about your mission. Yeah. So, so now we have a, we narrowed even more the guilt, the guilt funnel. A, we said, when should you feel guilty? When is appropriate? When you made a bad choice, not when you have a bad result, because that's not something you can control. So, A. a when is appropriate guilt? When you when it was, it was a bad decision. Two, only if it's productive. If it leads you to more positive emotion or positive change. And when the, it's a result, oops, when it's a result of genuine change. So it has to be a regret that comes after you change as a person. That regret can be a productive one. But if you just feel regret you know that's not coming from the good place. And this is, by the way, very counterintuitive because we always think that remorse and regret is a good thing. I'm feeling bad about something I did. You know, that's good. No. If it's about a better result, you already know, don't entertain it. A better result, it's not something you can control. If it's about a bad decision you did, wait. Is it going to be productive? Meaning, is it going to lead you to be more happy? Or right now it's just uh, feeling you with negative emotions, or it's just regret without a change. Remember, regret does not lead to change. Change leads to regret. Okay, so now let's, um, we don't have the full picture yet. Okay. So let's look at text number 13. Because now I'm going to talk about scheduled guilt. That's really, that's really what the, the, the only way to really have a, a good the benefit coming out of the guilt is only when it is scheduled. Even if you have, feel guilt in the middle of a moment of introspection, let's say in the middle of prayer and, and something, you know, a, a, a uh, studying or learning, even then guilt is not, that's not the right time. So let's read text number 13. Okay. Are we up to Jeanette? Now, regardless of whether the negative emotion happens upon us, while we are involved in the service of God, studying or praying, we must realize that now is an appropriate time for genuine remorse, even over egregious misdeeds. God forbid. For genuine remorse, we need designated times, appropriate times, 
when we have calmness of mind. Elsewhere, it is clarified precisely when the stand should be. One second. What we're saying is that all regrets need to be postponed. Even if you feel regret in the middle of prayer, in the middle of you know, a, a, a spiritual time, not in the middle of, of your day, you feel regret, so maybe it's coming from a good place because it's the right time. No, it needs to be postponed because your day, doesn't matter what you're doing in your day, has to be filled with positive emotions. So now the question is, postpone it until when? Text number 14, so one second. All regrets, this is a, a, a very important thing. All regret needs to be A, postponed and contained. You can't feel regret for, you know, days, months, of course not years. So regret needs to be postponed and contained. So now let's read, I'm going to read text number 14. Every night, either during the Tikkun Chatzot at midnight, so this was a practice in, in, you know, past centuries. It's not something that's done nowadays. But, or the bedtime Shema, before we go to sleep, we must make a personal reckoning. We should taste the bitterness of all our unholy deeds, words and thoughts from the moment we came into being until the present. The more we contemplate the greatness of God and increase our emotional connection with Him, the greater will be our pain over our focus on meaningless trivialities and over the fact that the preponderance of our time is spent walking in the darkness and in the shadow of death. So what we're saying over here is the best time to do, to contain and to postpone guilt and remorse and regret is before we go to sleep. It doesn't have to be every night. It's a good thing to do every night you know, think how your day went. Sometimes it's good at the end of the week to be done at the end of the month. But of course, it's it's good to, to have something pretty often. So you say before the nighttime prayers, and I know in my um, store it starts off with, you know, I forgive every person who sinned against right. me. But right. do you ask, do you go over your own stuff before that? Or yeah. during that? Like yeah, you can do it during, before. It's, it's, okay. uh, it works. So, figure 3.1. Now let's see. So, postpone to bedtime Shema. And now, a next, the next thing. A, appropriate remorse is not over bad results. It's over bad choices. B, it has to be productive. It has to lead you to positive emotions and positive change. So now... Positive, appropriate remorse is when it is controlled and guilty. Yeah, you can do it also before. I'm saying you can ensure where it is. Oh, yeah, because I have that right. one at home Because she was saying she saw it in her book. That's the book. Right. Page. Yeah, but this this is the, the more specific, the words. Well, it continues. You can, There's a bunch of... You know, right. you know, I don't have to do a book. You have to buy one. <laughs> That's okay. Do you feel guilty about it? Do you feel guilty about it? I... <laughs> <laughs> now the question is, is it productive? It's, if it's productive, then buy a Sidur. I survive because I come to, I, I, I come to Chabad now. So I don't right. feel guilty about it because I'm actually doing things. Right? right, awesome. All right. So it has to be controlled and limited time-wise. 
Okay, so now the real question for discussion is what are the possible drawbacks to designating time for feeling remorse and regret? Forgetting. Exactly. One, you're right. What? what is the problem if you postpone your bad? Let's say you wake up in the morning, middle of the day, at 3 o'clock in the p.m., you feel bad about something you did. So Tanya is telling you, don't entertain it right now. Postpone it to tonight. Okay? What is the problem if you do that? You can forget. What if I don't feel bad tonight? I felt bad at 3. I don't feel bad tonight. You know, the whole day went through and I don't feel bad anymore. You're so tired. You don't right? <laughs> exactly. You know, you, you're like, ah, you know, it's past. Fine. I'm, I moved on. Yeah. Or another question is, how do I contain the guilt? If I start thinking about, you know, how, how, how bad this choice was and how bad how, I'm going to feel, how do I stop it? You know, <laughs> how do I, how do I stop that? Like if you're thinking about it and then you feel remorse, sometimes like my daughter, she's a teenager, so all right. of a sudden it's inappropriate because it's at the wrong time. Right. So this is common sense, but sometimes you don't feel those same emotions stirred up. At night. At night. At night. And also, how do we, if I, let's say I'm going to start thinking about it, so I'm going to recreate that feeling. Mm -hmm. How do I stop that? I, I'm, I'm going to make myself feel bad. Right. And, and when is that going to end? How is that ending? Exactly. So how do we move on? So these are a single fundamental principle that ought to guide all remorse. We resolve both of these issues. Text number 15. So a second, sorry. The possible drawbacks is, what if I no longer feel guilty? And how do I move on? And the contemplation is, remember, change leads to remorse. So the only way to what if I no longer feel guilty or how do I move on? It's because you have to remember that change leads to remorse, not regret doesn't lead to change. So you have, the, the key is you have to focus on the change part that will help you to move on and that will help you to feel guilty again, so to speak. Okay, so let's read text number 15. Take it away, Mani. During these designated times, we should reflect upon the greatness of God against whom we have sinned, and thereby cause our hearts to be truly broken and genuinely embittered. Can you understand? Yeah. You have to reflect upon the greatness of God against whom we have sinned, and that leads your heart to feel bad. So this resolves the first issue. You basically start meditating about what you did, and more than what you did is about what you caused. We're talking about over here about God, but the same thing works with other people. When you start thinking, which means you're focusing now on the change part, mm -hmm. you're not focusing on the regret, you're focusing on the change. You start thinking, what did I do? Who, who did I hurt? And how, you know, how hurt were the people or was God? You know, in what I did. And what you're saying is you're changing your perspective. You're not thinking about what I did wrong. Oh, I'm so I'm so bad. How and I feel I? good that I, I feel bad about myself. You're thinking about the other. You're, the other could be God. The other could be, you know, the, the other fellow that you, you hurt. 
So in other words, you're focusing on the change. You're changing your perspective. You're thinking about the other person. You're thinking, oh my gosh, how was I able, once you meditate about the other, you really start thinking, how could I, how could I, you start thinking how hurt the other person is. You feel so bad that I hurt God, that I hurt my, my fellow. And so that is the change. That is the change that leads to a positive regret. Could we also use the term disappointment? Like, you know, the worst thing your parent can tell you is, I'm so disappointed in you. You know, right. that means, uh, for some reason, but can we disappoint God as well? Of course, of course. Okay. The, the, your divine soul is all about mission, mission-oriented. We're so disappointed that we failed our mission that particular moment, right? Yeah. It's very important. The moment you tell yourself, oh, I failed my mission in general, that is for sure the natural soul telling you negative emotions, negative emotions. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. So what you're, what you're focusing is, you're focusing on who you caused harm to. Mm -hmm. That is change leads to regret. When you really focus on the change, which means you're changing your perspective, you're thinking, oh my gosh, God is so great and he gave me my mission. He, he, trusts, he trusted me. He believes in me. And how did I do that? I can't believe I did that. But not, you're not focusing, how can I do that? Yeah. You're focusing, how can I fail? How can I disappoint God? That's a perfect example. Yeah. And, and Jeanette, in your, when you're saying, you know, Oh, I always feel guilty about, you know, not being the religious thing. That is the regret that doesn't lead to change. You know, Rabbi, with no, uh, with no disrespect and you know where it mm -hmm. comes from, there's the division between secular Jews or ultra-Orthodox, mm -hmm. I'm conservative, okay? Yeah. Where is conservative? There's that if you don't follow everything by the book, Habak, you're bad. Chabad right. uh, looks down on you, uh, you're bad, you're not. Uh, so we feel like we're being uh, judged. Judge. Right, right, right. You know, so, so like, oh my God, I have to be here. Oh my God. You know, you know how many people we, don't walk into an Orthodox synagogue because they they think, they, they feel guilty. They're like, yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm not keeping Shabbat. I'm not doing but everything. What is that guilt? That guilt. I'm driving a kind of right. focusing on your yeah. But, that, but that but that guilt is the the regret that doesn't lead to change. Yeah. You understand? If what what are we saying really? What is it, what does it mean to change at least the regret? For example, I, I, I would tell people come to synagogue. What does the synagogue do? It changes how you look at you know the the religion. Religion is not all, all or nothing. It's not. Everything that you do, God appreciates it. So that changes when you come to the synagogue. You change, right? That that is the change that leads to regret. You change. You think, oh my gosh, God is not this, you know, this long beard and saying, "Hi, oh, if you don't do this, I will smite you." That that change leads to you understand. God is loving. God believes in you. God trusts you. Gave you a mission. And then you th start thinking, you really start thinking, wow, I should really, you know, take, consider my mission. I should really start focusing more on my relationship with God. It's like, 
you know, there's so many labels. Labels are for suits, you know. I'm Reformed Jew. I'm Conservative Jew. I'm, I'm Orthodox Jew. You're a Jew. It doesn't matter. All these labels don't matter. And more than that, there's just like reconstruction. Oh, there's, yeah, that never ends. But what, the point is, when you're saying, what you're saying is you have a relationship with God. It's all one family. Exactly. You are a relationship with God. That all, that's all that matters. So change, when you change your perspective on your relationship with God, until you, you don't change your perspective, you don't come in, in touch with Orthodox people, you think it's all, you know, th there's the book, the V's, you put the V's, if you have a lot of V's, you go to heaven. If you don't, oh, you don't know where you're, where you're going. But it's not, it's not like that. It's about relationship. So if you change your perspective, you pick yourself up, you, you realize what it is, that leads to regret. You think, oh my gosh, I've been getting it wrong all these years. And that leads to change of behavior. So it's, that's the change that leads to regret that ultimately is productive. I think it's making the time for people, for any Jew, we're talking about, okay, to make the time to go through that process of thinking. Of change, of the change of perspective. No one wants to harm anyone. <laughs> Everyone feels, you know, it, um, warm about the traditional right. culture and the heritage and you, know, and you just feel comfortable with what you're doing and it's exactly. like we're gonna we're all gonna do our thing we're right and so they say i don't want to do this because yeah. then i'm going to feel guilty right but it's making the time to go through a process as a as a thing of cousins in uh, paris and uh, they're now retired and they live full lives of professions and and uh, so last time I saw them, uh, and there's a lot of that going on in France, okay? So uh, now they are going to class after class after class, you know? <laughs> right. We're taking Kabbalah, we're taking this, we're taking that, we're studying. I said, that's great, they're catching up, you know? Right. And it says that there's something that they always wanted to do, but they didn't have time for it. But it's that, yeah, it's that, so that's, happy to do it, that's yeah. definitely, that is what we're talking about. The change that leads to really say, oh my gosh, I've been missing out. And then that leads to change. So, um, until now, so we spoke of, there's two types of change. One is I didn't fully appreciate, you know, what I was doing. I didn't understand what I was doing. Now I changed, and I understand how all you know how bad my actions were. I'm so bad. So that's one type of change. And two is, I realized how hurtful my behavior was towards the other. So what the Alter Rebbe, the author of the Tanya, is saying: self-centered remorse is I am bad, right? That's what he's saying. I am bad. But a other-centered remorse is my behavior was hurtful to others. So that's key. So when we, we, we ask two questions. A, how can I postpone my feelings of, of, of guilt? Right now I feel guilty. I don't feel guilty later. It, it takes meditation. You have, to, you, know, you, know, you have to think about, you have to change, so to speak. Think about what you did. Think about how it was hurtful to others. Others could be people. Others could be God. How I was, 
I was disappointing to God. That how that's how you're gonna rethink about your guilt in a in a productive way, and then the second part is how how do I stop it? That is um, the text number sixteen, mm-hmm. actually sixteen and seventeen. So uh, read sixteen, Jeanette, read sixteen, page one hundred eleven. When repenting, our regret and bitterness should be over the fact that we have provoked the Creator and anguished Him for our sin, caused the exile of the Divine Presence. We should not overly focus on the damage we have inflicted upon our own souls, punishment in the afterlife, or the like. Meaning, remorse is not supposed to be, oh, I'm such a loser. But it's more of what the pain I cause to others could be other, you know, fellow or God. So now, figure three point one e. Again, let's let's re- remember when is appropriate guilt. When it was a bad choice, not when it was a bad result. I couldn't do anything about it. When it was a bad choice, that's appropriate. Wait, 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 wait. It has to be productive. It has to be to pr- lead me to a more positive emotion or a to change. And it has to be result. When is good remorse? When is good regret? When is the result of genuine change? I really change my perspective. Then I know it's leading me to a genuine regret. And we said it has to be controlled. Even if it's, if it's in the middle of the day while I'm doing work, it's definitely from the natural soul. It's, it's toxic. What if it is in the middle of prayer? M- might be good. Postpone it to tonight and contain it. You have to control it. It has to be, and the last thing we're saying is, it has to be focused on the offended party. It has to be focused on the other. What about this limited time-wise? What do you mean limited? Like, is there a prescribed amount of time? I know. You know, it has to be just limited. Let's say it has to be, give yourself, you know, 15, 20 minutes or a half hour, but it has to end the night because it has to lead to, to... a more positive emotion. And text number 17 is really what we're saying right now. Okay. Text number 17, uh, Miley. Okay. As soon as our hearts have been broken during these designated times, we should completely remove the sorrow from our hearts and believe with a perfect faith that God in his abundant forgiveness has removed our sin. We are then free to experience the true joy in God that comes after the remorse as mentioned above. You understand? This leads to, how do I contain my negative emotion, my guilt? It never ends. No. If it's focused on the other, and if it's about bad choices, and if it's about, I changed, I thought about it, it's not, I, oh, I feel bad. No, no, no. I, I changed first, I, I thought about it. What I, I focused on the other, I didn't focus, oh, I'm so bad. No, no, no. What I caused to others or God, and then I contained it. It's at not in the middle of the day. In the middle of the day, I have to be positive. It's at night before I'm going to sleep. I'm taking the time. I think I change. First, I think about the perspective. I think what I, what did I do, and what did I caused to others, and then if it's first of all now we're talking about God. Now we're talk, not talking about other people. When you sin, you know, do something against God. You disappointed God. You have to know. A, you change and that leads you to real regret. You have to believe and you have to know 
that God forgives you. God, and this is personally how I feel very, very, is very hard for me. We always, we, in a way, because we feel good about, before this class, we feel good about guilt. We think, it's not terrible that I don't, I don't feel that God forgave me because I'm going to do it again. You know, I'm going to do it again. So what's the point of, of me asking for forgiveness? I'm going to do it again. That's all because you think that's the, the regret that doesn't lead to change. But if you change, you change your perspective. You think about how painful and how disrespectful and disappointing it was for God. And then we're going to talk, later we're going to talk about other people. And then you, you start thinking, God is infinite. And therefore, He can forgive me infinitely. It doesn't matter how many times I, I'm going to do things. He has an infinite amount of mercy. And if your focus is on others, moving on is natural. And so as, as you see over here, the contemplation is change leads to remorse. And when it's God sent to remorse, when it's coming from your divine soul perspective, God forgives. God forgives you no matter what you did. So if you repeated it again, that doesn't mean that you didn't have remorse. That just means you repeated it again. Like say it's that, against God. Meaning, meaning how, let's say you had every, everything in the right you know, funnel. You, it was a bad choice you did. Okay, let's say. Let's say hurting somebody. Let's say I'll, I'll give you a very bad, like a extreme example. Okay. Let's say I go and eat a McDonald's. I eat a ham sandwich. Okay, terrible. If I feel guilty right after I did it, that's coming from the natural soul. It's not a good guilt. Mm. Because right now I'm, I'm in the middle of the day. I'm supposed to be happy. When is, what is the appropriate? Was it a bad choice? Right? Yes, it was a bad choice. It wasn't something, oh, a bad result. I, I did a bad choice. Okay. Now, it, guilt in the middle of the day or right after I did it will not lead to productive. It will not lead me to a more positive place. So right now, postpone it to tonight. Tonight, I'm going to think about first change. Don't regret, oh, I'm so bad, because that doesn't need to change. First thing, change. You have to meditate. What did I do? And how, how did I disappoint God? I have a mission. How did I fail my mission at that time? That leads to a real regret. You really regret it. And that leads, you know God forgives you. Now, what if it happens again? Do the same thing again. You have to. What? How? How is it possible that it happens again? Because we have. That's the struggle. We have a natural soul and the divine soul. So it's always going to be a struggle. The natural soul wants you to be self-centered, self-oriented. So that's how it's always going to be. But no, the guilt. That's the best way to. That's the benefit that comes out of the guilt. And you really think you have to understand, know that God forgives you. And that, when you know that God really forgives you, and you did everything, and you're focused on the other, then you really come to a, a, a better connection, a better relationship with God. So that should lead you, that's the greatest joy, that you know you're forgiven. Well, I'm clean. God forgives me, and this is why, by the way, at so interesting, but Yom Kippur, at the end of Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur is the day of forgiveness, right? Your whole day, you're, you're thinking, by the way, so many people, the whole day are thinking about themselves. 
Oh, I'm so bad. I should have done better. And I'm so bad. I'm so bad. What are they thinking? Are they actually thinking how disappointing they were to God? They were to the other people that they offended during the year? You know, it's so such a typical thing on Facebook. You know, the day before Yom Kippur, everybody, please forgive me for that. That's so, that's so, that's so not yeah. genuine. So, so many people, so many times we, we think about ourselves. And so something very unique about Chabad, at the end of Yom Kippur, we, we sing. How is it possible? The whole day you're thinking about how bad you are. And at the end of, the, at the end of the, you know, the, the epitome of the, the day, you start sinking. How is that possible? Because our guilt is focused not on, oh, I'm so bad, I'm so bad. It's we change. We think of a higher perspective. We think, how was I able to offend other people? How was I able to disrespect or disappoint God in my mission? And then at the end of the day, you know God forgives you. So there's no greater joy. I know God forgave me. I'm feeling so good about myself. I'm not stuck with my guilt because I, I, I funneled the guilt in the right way. Yeah. And... It's if it's about you, remember, if it's about you, it will never end. It will never end because you're going to feel good, then you feel bad, and it will never end. But the moment you move it towards the other, which means this is the whole course about focusing more on your divine soul perspective, which is all about others, that's about your mission, then you can move on from your, from your remorse. Now, what about forgiving other people? We're talking about God. God is infinite. He can forgive you no matter when or what. What about other people? It's not so easy that they forgive you. So what do we do? So that is, A, regret is appropriate over a faulty choice. Not about results, okay? So let's see over here. Application to interpersonal relationships. A, it's only over a morally faulty choice. If you try to help someone and then without, you know, you, done, you did everything you could and then a bad result happened, you should, even though you should try to, you know, fix, try to help in any way, but you, even though it's very hard, you shouldn't feel guilty because it was not your choice. It was not your choice. You understand? Very hard, this one. Because with people... We feel, even though I, I, I did all my best and a bad result happened, we always feel guilty. You should know that's not an appropriate guilt. Help, try to help the other party. Try to, you know, do whatever you can. But guilt is inappropriate because that was not based on your choice. So when is a good guilt? When is appropriate guilt with people? Only if it's over a morally faulty choice. A, it should be productive. It leads you to a, a better place. It has to be a result of genuine change, which means you really think, meditate about what you did, about the other, and that changes your perspective. It really makes you understand what you did, what you caused to the other. That is the change that leads to regret. Then it has to be controlled and limited time-wise. Otherwise, it never ends. And it has to be focused on the offended party. So you see, offenses against God... True change and remorse are sufficient because if I really changed, I really felt regret, 
And now I know God forgave me. What about about other people? About other people, you need to ask forgiveness and make amends. So with God, forgiveness is guaranteed. With other people, forgiveness is not guaranteed. So what do you need to do? You must try to gain forgiveness at least three times. This is what the Torah says. You have to try at least three times. And again, this is not, I'm sorry, can you forgive me? It's a real, you changed, you thought about it. You really thought about what you did, you caused to the other. You really feel bad. Then you try three times to forgiveness. The Torah says, if the person doesn't forgive you, you have to move on. You did your best. That's it. Move on. Let it go. But you need to ask. It has to be all the funnels. You need to ask forgiveness and make amends. Same thing with God, honestly. You have to, you know, ask forgiveness for, to God. But you know God forgives you. With other people, you have to ask forgiveness. And sometimes they're not, not going to forgive you. So now the, the okay, text 18 is basically what I said. You have to ask one who injures another is obligated to make restitution in five ways. Okay, this is very technical. The attacker must pay actual damages and also pay for pain inflicted, medical bills, loss of employment, and humiliation. And even if the attacker makes these payments, God does not grant atonement until the offender implores the victim for forgiveness. By the way, this is so, it so happens so many times when, when you know, especially between fellows, that the person feels bad about what they did and it becomes they feel bad now they become the victim oh I feel I'm so I'm so sorry I feel so bad and now you have to you know you have to make them feel good because they feel bad right so often it happens because they're all, it's all about self so this is the rationale the conclusion again another we took another negative emotion guilt and again we're, we're showing you how guilt and remorse when they're coming from the divine soul perspective, feelings of remorse are controlled and purposeful and lead to a greater joy and greater positive emotions. And so recap, how does one distinguish between productive and unproductive guilt? We explained all the, you know, the whole class. Mm -hmm. We explained what is productive and unproductive guilt. In very short, we said, if it was your faulty choice and if it leads you to more productive, if it comes after change, if it's controlled and limited time-wise, and if it's focused on the, of the other party. Now the question is, at what point can you forgive yourself and move on? You, it's not about yourself. So you don't have to forgive yourself? When it's other-centered remorse, my behavior was hurtful to others. So it's not really about yourself. You never really have to forgive yourself, so to speak. You have to forgive others, in other, in other words. You have to forgive what you did to others, and then you move on. That, that's how you move on, by forgiving the others, so to speak. By focusing on the others, your guilt is, then can be, A, can be contained, it's healthy guilt, and you move on, because either you, the others forgive you, and if they, if they don't forgive you, after three times you ask them, you're good. Now, how can we both recognize our failures and serve God with happiness?
right? How can we basically derive a benefit from the negative emotions? And now we see the value in the negative emotion. That we re can recognize our failures, and that can lead us to a higher level, higher perspective, and that leads you to a, a more positive state. So let's, let's, uh, let's listen to, uh, let's look at the key points video. Next week we're going to talk about peering through pain, addressing pain, anguish, and anxiety. So let's look at the key points. Do you like to read the key points better than the reading, watching the video? Either one. Video? Video is fine. Okay, yeah, we, you, know, you can always read the key points yourself. Yeah. By the way, I want to say this funnel, it's really amazing on page 115. Very, very amazing. Whenever you feel guilt, look at that. Put it on the fridge. Right? You see? Yeah, put it, yeah, put it on the <laughs> fridge. Make a copy and you can really, it really drives you. It's very, very well done. Okay, so let's look at the key, key points. No, it's not that. Um, yeah. Key points. Lesson three. Rethinking regret. One. Negative emotions, even when valid and appropriate, are never a goal unto themselves. They are merely bridges to the benefit that follows increased joy and positive emotion. Two, it is vital that our ordinary routine runs exclusively on positive emotions. All regret and remorse must therefore be postponed for the pre-bedtime hour and contained time-wise. Three, the concept of remorse is often mired in moral confusion, whereby we confuse for piety feelings that are actually toxic and expressions of self-centeredness. Remorse that flows from an unhealthy place cannot lead to a positive result, but merely perpetuates the negativity of its source. Four, these are the guidelines for legitimate, productive remorse. A. Remorse is appropriate only for something that legitimately calls for remorse, such as a faulty decision but not a faulty result, because we can only control our decisions, not the results. B. Remorse must directly lead to increased positive emotion. C. Remorse must trigger a change in subsequent behavior. D. Remorse is not a catalyst for true change. Rather, productive remorse is a product of a shift in feelings and perspective, a changed you. E. Healthy remorse is other-centered, caused by reflecting on how you have wronged God or your fellow, not self-centered, reflecting on how terrible you are. 5. Guilt and remorse are countered through living a life aligned with our divine soul. 